This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. An Odyssey station. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios. Where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour. The mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Class. Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right. Good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I'm Mark Cumberland along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katsaris. How you doing, Deanne? I'm doing fabulous, Mark. How are you? I am very, very good, as Marl would say. So we were, we're very excited here to talk to you Saturday, Saturday at 1 o'clock. If you want to talk to us about, call us. And you can call us. Deanne likes to get called. And call us on residential, commercial, mortgage needs. You should refi. It's time to refi. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, Deanne? My number is 609-605-7153. And for 11 years, we've been here every week to keep you informed yes, and do whatever we can do. And you can listen to the past shows at our webpage, goodnewsinrealestate.com, or at WPHD's website. So what's coming up today, Deanne? Mark, coming up on today's show, we have the market report. Yes. We have our business tips with Asking Dr. A. Yes. We also have Mark's funny story. Got one for you. Is this a new one or a uh, a real nah, one? It's it's a funny one, but it's uh no, the last week's was an actual true story. Okay. <laughs> With the guy right. stealing the stealing the docks. What All right. And we, so what we, is the mortgage mom topic? The mortgage mom topic are going to be untangling some myths. Untangling some myths. This sounds interesting. Myths, this is. We also have our questions, Mark. Um, do I do I need to do a final walkthrough? The next question is, how long can the seller take to respond to my offer? Next question is, what is the earnest money deposit? Next question right. is, should I sell my home before buying a new one? That's a great question, especially in today's market. And the next question is, what is a buyer's market? That's a good one. We also have our topic of the day. Housing boom is back, but without the bubble. No bubbles. No bubbles. And I love bubbles. I got two bubble <laughs> machines at the at my house, man. I fire <laughs> A little too much information, Mark. Thousands of bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but first, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is always follow your heart 
would take your brains with you. So, <laughs> so it's all right to make snap decisions, but have a little, get a little advice. But take the shot, because if you don't ask the answers, no. Exactly. So where are we at? Mark, we are up to the market report. And there is the bell. So the housing inventory shortage has been pushing up the prices, which we're all, we all know, of, but most of the public is not, and also holding back some home sales. In nearly every market, 20% more inventory means 20% more home sales. If that would, if, if we, I was talking to a couple agents today, and they said they're starting to see a little more inventory. A yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, like another four or 500 houses came on the market in Philly out of 600,000. And but you know what? Uh, like, they're gone. Yeah, and they're selling right away. Today's news on the homes, construction surge is good news, though. Because in even though they're having major challenges with the price of, of material, lumber's up like 180 percent. It's ridiculous, man. A, a sheet of a sheet of plywood is like eighty dollars. It's like crazy. Like we you talked about it one week on a new construction. It's adding like twenty five thousand today. Twenty five thousand. That's correct. Yeah, yep. they got to do something about this. And the March figures, one point seven. 1.7 million housing starts. That's the highest in 14 years. So for the last five years, we've been talking about them building 500,000 houses a year, 400,000. Last year, they got up to like 600,000. Now, a million seven. So that's like really good news. Both single family units, go ahead. What are you going no, to say? And, and but the problem with that too is now the builders are so busy that instead of taking six months to complete the project, it's taken anywhere from eight to twelve. Plus, uh, the government's getting involved, which is going to make things worse because they're letting that CF whatever CF red the CFPB C- yeah yeah CF red tape. They're letting yep. them get more involved, so they want to they want them to build more houses, but they're slowing up the approval rate. Right. But after 13 years of underproduction, the chief that's the, was the chief cause of uh, a real uh, shortage here. The construction boom needs to last for at least three years to make up for all that past shortfall. As trade-up buyers purchase newly constructed homes, their prior homes show up on the LMOS. Hence, more choices for consumers. Housing starts to housing completions could be shortened maybe four to eight months. So be patient with the improvement to the inventory. I was talking to an agent today, and he's thinking, like, in the next couple of months, all of a sudden we're going to see this flood of inventory. And I'm like, I think you're being a little over-optimistic. I think this Very is Very optimistic. Take <laughs> I said, I think this is like, uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy uh, where you get six months later you, it starts to sink in. And I think it's going to take, like, six months to a year for these sellers to realize they can get top dollar, top dollar. And it's going to be hard to find something, but that I so, think once the activity starts, it'll start. It'll well, it I'm going to tell you my two of my friends that live in my neighborhood sold their house in two days I know. and way over asking. So, you know, Pete and I, or should we sell? Should we sell? I'm not selling, but they're pulling their contract because now they have nowhere to go. Know, they can't even find a rental unit. Yeah. 
There's nowhere to go. I'm ready to go out listing houses. And you got Murph on the loose over in Jersey. Oh, my God. And he's talking about raising the real estate taxes. <laughs> Holy moly. You'll be paying what? Like 45000 a year? <laughs> soon, soon you'll be able to buy one in the neighborhood <laughs> just on the taxes. All right. Tell us the good news. Tell us about the rates. The good news is the rates. Your 30-year fixed rate running around 3% conventionally, depending on the hour and the time of the day, we could probably get you 2.875. Your 15-year fixed is 2.625%. Your FHA rate is still at 3%. Look, it's still a phenomenal time to refinance. So don't listen to all that doom and gloom out there. And Give me a call, send me right. your statement. We'll do an analysis, 609-605. 7153. You're going to say your number later again in the show because I had a couple of people call me about refining. And I you told them to call you. Because I started a new class, couple classes this week. And I told them, do your friends a favor. Anybody over 35, call Deanne. I said, and then save them some money and they'll be happy. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So there's some great rates. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more after the break and this message from Debt-Free Living. Learn more at wehatedebt.com. Welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT All Positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we are up to your funny story. All right, so I got one for you, right? So these two elderly women are living in one of the over 55 complexes, and they go out driving in their large car. They're, they're both like, you know, like my mom was, like probably four <laughs> foot when she was 93. And they could barely see over the dashboard. So as they're cruising along, they come to an intersection. And the stoplight's red, but she goes right through it. And the woman in the passenger seat thought to herself, I must be losing it. I could have sworn that light was red. After a few more minutes, she came to another intersection. The light's red. Again, she goes right through it. The woman in the passenger seat was almost sure that light had to be red. But was really concerned that she was losing it. She was getting a little nervous. At the next intersection, sure enough, the light's red. They go right through it. So she turns to the driver. She goes, Mildred, you know, you just ran three red lights in a row. You could have killed us both. Mildred turned to her and she goes, oh, crap, I'm driving. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that sad. Was, that was a good one. It was a good one. If you have a funny story you'd like to hear on our show, Send it to 8029 at Comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5501. And now it is time, the most exciting part of the show, <laughs> the Mortgage Mom segment with the Yankees Katsaris. Oh, my God. Oh, I almost boggled wow. the name there. Wow. If it's not the From topic, Green it's the name. Name, man. And her topic is untangling some myths on mortgages, correct? Correct. All right. At least I got that part right. At least. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, as we know, buying a home and getting a mortgage typically go hand in hand, right? Yes. 
And some loans aren't always easy to understand. And there's a lot of misinformation out there about how the mortgages actually work. If I could, I could do a reality show on some of the questions that I get, but I'm not going to go there right now. We could do Deanne's funny story and I could tell you. Anyway, um, a lot of home buyers think that the process is simple, but when you start explaining the details, a lot of times their eyes just start to glaze over. And what, what is, it's understandable that mortgages aren't a simulating topic and failing for many of the rampant mortgage myths that are circling out there, um, especially when you're getting advice from friends and family, which could actually hurt your, high, your home buying chances. Yes. So we're gonna just say right now, no information, you're not talking to the dentist, you're not asking Uncle Harry who bought a house 70 years ago, all right? right. For instance, you might <laughs> you might believe that you can afford a house for 600,000 and then you go out shopping and you start looking at the properties in that price range, but then you sit down and you actually meet with the lender and you learn that your price range is actually 500,000. And this is what all of the mortgage experts call a rude awakening. Big time. So to avoid this fate, you want to make sure that you crunch your numbers in our mortgage calculator or a home affordability calculator and you apply for your mortgage pre-approval. I have an app. You could download it right on your phone. It's very simple. It has the calculator, has everything you need to do to get pre-approved. And this is just to see where you stand in terms of how much you can afford because you might say you want a $600,000 house, and when I ask people, well, what does that payment actually look like? They have no idea. That's so it's right. not necessarily the sales price. You have the real estate taxes, you have homeowners insurance, things like that. And that's and, the big thing. Buyers, usually the one thing they have an idea of is how much they want to spend a month. Right. And, right, and, and a, a lot of times. Yeah, and a lot of times, if you don't do all that crunching for them, they're guessing. They don't know. And a lot of times I'll ask them, how much do you feel comfortable spending? And they'll say, well, well I want to see how much I can get pre-approved for. So at that point, you know, we're letting them, we're guiding them through the process. But, and to make sure that you're aware of the biggest misconception about home mortgages, here are four of the most biggest mortgage myths. You ready? I'm ready. You need to make a down payment of 20% number one myth of all time so sure i mean 20 percent down payment on a home is ideal after all you know the money the more money you put down the less you'll owe and the less strain you'll feel to cover your monthly mortgage payments but it still doesn't mean that you must put 20 percent down there are plenty of loan programs out there that'll allow you to put far less as little as three percent right and, and once you put 20 percent down that money's tied up so tied up 20% of a $800,000 house is $160,000. So if I only put down now me, I operate by OPM, OP, other, yep. other, other people's, people's money. money. So right. I would rather put down like 5%, keep my 160,000 in, in my bank, pocket, buy something else that makes me money. Sure, especially with the way that the interest rates are today. I mean, take advantage of the interest rates 
and keep that money, even as a security. I mean, double up your payments, turn it into a 15 year. There's just so much you could do and you could also invest it, but buy another house, I right? Know. Buy a duplex with that a kind triplex. of money. Or a triplex, a exactly. And <laughs> let it pay for your $800,000 house. Exactly. So the Federal Housing Administration, also known as FHA, lets the borrowers get a mortgage with as little as 3.5% down, as long as their credit score is around the 620. The catch is that if you pay less than 20% on a conventional loan, you'll have to cough up what they call private mortgage insurance, PMI. Right. Right. And it's an extra monthly fee that's paid to mitigate the risk that you might default on your loan. And the PMI, depending on your credit score, can be pricey. Um, it could be about 1% of the whole loan or $1,000 per year, you know, per 100000 yeah. All right. So still, if you're chomping at the bit to buy a home, there's no reason to lose hope if you lack a huge down payment. Right. The next one is the best mortgage is the one with the lowest interest rate. So when companies shop around for home mortgages, I can pair it to basically shopping for a car because a dealership that offers you the cheapest price doesn't necessarily mean it's the best option. Most of those loans that have the lowest interest rate come with the highest fees. So while your mortgage interest rate is absolutely important because it will affect the size of your monthly payments, don't forget other fees can vary wildly from offer to offer. For instance, if you have an origination fee to cover the processing and the paperwork of the loan, that can vary anywhere from a half a percent to one and a half percent on your loan. And that's a big deal. Nobody make... reads, nobody reads all those contracts, car contracts. Oh, I know, money. right? <laughs> that's why you need legal shield. You that's fax right. that puppy right over and it makes and the then, changes and you're yeah, good. Yeah. And all of a sudden, your guy's shocked that you got some advice. And, wow, they actually Yeah, within read an it. hour, exactly. <laughs> they, they actually read the contract. Oh, my God. But, but going back, Mark, don't just ask about the interest rate. You know, ask the lender for a breakdown of what your total fees are. Loan estimates should break down the fees so that the borrower knows exactly what they're getting. Right. Um, another question worth asking is, what is the loan officer's availability? Do, do they provide clients with their cell phone number? And if it's a weekend and you need to get pre-approved letter on, on a property ASAP and your lender only works nine to five, well, now you're in a bind. Yeah, what if he's in California and you did a mortgage, you found a right. person online. And there you go. You're, and it's eight o'clock in Philly. Uh, they're in bed. <laughs> <laughs> So last one I'm gonna run through real quick because I, I always beat this one, um, but pre-qualification and pre-approval are essentially the same, and that is absolutely not true. Pre-qualification means you had a conversation with the lender. It means absolutely nothing. On the other hand, a pre-approval entails you providing the loan officer with all necessary documentation, tax returns, bank statements, pay stubs, and that's what is needed to obtain a mortgage. The officer then packages the loan up, submits the file to underwriting for review, and then you are there provided with a letter stating that you've been pre-approved for a certain amount, and that letter in hand is golden because right. you are in prime position to make an offer and go find your dream home. That's the now, way of course, you operate. I call exactly. you up 
I hook you up with a buyer, and I say, that Deanne will ask you all the questions. Then she'll collect all your docs, your pay stubs, your tax returns, and then she'll call me and say they're good to go. Because the letter signed by, uh, you are qualified for $300,000, signed by the vice president of the bank. Everybody's a VP. That's worthless to me. Right. That's a pre-qualification. You know what's really funny is I just did a pre-qual for this gentleman. Um, I did a pre-approval rather, and he got pre-qualified by his friend. Sent him all the docs, everything sent over, and all of a sudden the guy stopped calling, and he's his friend. And I said, "Well, why did the guy stop calling?" He goes, "I don't know. I'm done with him. I want to deal with you. You'll communicate." Well, here I get all the guy's docs, and he's not even pre-approvable for half of what he was asking for. So instead of his friend stepping up to the plate saying, dude, I can't help you. Bad news, yeah. Right, let's get a co-signer. The guy's like floundering around for a week and we, you know, we're putting Uncle Joe on the loan and the guy's gonna buy a house. Right, so, and that's one of the worst things. Like real estate agents are bad at this too. They don't answer their phone. And, And when you get in that kind of situation, give me the bad news first. I want to, you know, and then we can figure out a plan how to make it work don't right. avoid me that's not helping anything right right so again if you want to get to the table give me a call my number is 609-605-7153 and that is not the dinner table because i will not be cooking the closing table that's right and deanne does a great job she's got a great team and when she tells you you're pre-approved good to buy you are Thank you, and then she even follows up and calls the agent and convinces them that the, your buyer is strong. And, and that's important. You take that extra step. Yep. You'd be there's surprised so, how many listing so many agents. Lazy, there's so yeah. many lazy real estate agents. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm a real estate agent, but I have no problem calling them lazy. I got real estate agents that don't return my phone calls. And they don't, they don't even know what I'm calling them about. Like, I could be handing them a couple million dollar deal and they don't return a phone call. And yeah. mortgage people, and there's a bunch of them. So you gotta be careful who you work with. Agreed. You know? I agree. That was a good topic. That was a and great the, topic. And the big 20% myth, that's the oh, biggest one out there. Kills me, it, kills and, me. And there's so many people that believe that. I told the class this week, I said, you know, 200,000, 20 percent's 40 grand how many friends you got that got 40 40 grand in the bank plus closing costs and all of them were like none <laughs> <laughs> so then they're sitting at home and they're paying 1500 a month or two grand a month to rent when they could probably buy all right all right all let's right. wrap it up that was a great all segment Keep so your coming up out. Give you up your my number, number my number is 609-605-7153 Coming up next is going to be our question and answer segment. All right, very good. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. Welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive, all the time. I am very positive today, Ian. 
You so are positive, Mark, I all am. the time. I'm very positive. We are up to our question and answer segment. All right, so give us the first one. The first question is, do I need to do a final walkthrough? And the final walkthrough, if the audience doesn't know, after you went through the whole process, got pre-approved by Deanne, found a house, <laughs> did a home Bye, inspection, Mark. did the appraisal, and you're finally going to settlement. Usually what happens in the usual deal, either the day of or the day before, they take a final walkthrough through the property to make sure it's still in the same shape as when they saw it last. Like maybe the last time they saw it was at the home inspection. And then, or right now, there's debates, well, uh, bidding wars going on where people are waiving home inspections Ugh. and buying home warranties. So that means they haven't seen the house since they originally saw it. And now they're finally seeing it again. And they get there and the refrigerator is gone. And then they're like, wait a minute. I thought the refrigerator was included. It said it was here when we walked through. Yeah, well, you didn't put that in the contract, so the seller decided to take it. So the point is, when the final, you should do a final walkthrough. I've had buyers that didn't, and some of them regretted it. But you just want to go make sure the house is still in the shape that when you saw it. Right. You know, so like when they took down their big screen TV, they didn't leave a gapping hole in a wall in the living room. It's supposed to be in the shape that you saw it. It says it in fine print in the contract, which nobody ever reads. But anyway, you should always do a final walkthrough. And you usually do it close to settlement. Yeah, usually the, day, the morning of or the day before. Yeah, you, and it's usually, it's not a home inspection. It's, yeah. it's a quick walkthrough to remind you why you bought this house and everything's there that's supposed to be there and it's in good shape. Perfect. And, you know, and then you go to settlement. What's number two? All right, the next question is, how long can the seller take to respond to my offer? Well, in the contract, when you first write it, usually you put the, one of the agents puts a time frame. Uh, the seller has... Now, in this type of market, it's yeah, that's market, it's, it's different. You want I've I, I remember back in two thousand three, two thousand four, in that seller's market, people were putting uh, seller must respond by twelve p.m. tomorrow. <laughs> like, right. well, wait a minute, dude. But first of all, this is my listing, and my sellers might not want to respond to you by twelve o'clock tomorrow because they're both working and they're busy. Right. So, what did that do? That knocked them out of the box because yeah. if we couldn't respond by 12, that contract's void. So thinking they, they're slick by doing something like that can be a backfire. Usually, you got to use your head. Now, say it's coming up the 4th of July weekend and you're showing them this house on Friday morning and, this, and then the sellers are going away. So don't expect them to respond like by Sunday because they're probably away on vacation, yeah. so use your head. Now, in a yeah, regular mark, in a regular market, I usually give them some time, or on a weekend like that, or something like that. But in these markets, man, they want they want response in twelve hours, stuff like crazy stuff. But yeah. it's got, it's in writing in the contract. Mark, there's so many final and best now that are like three, four days later. 
and it's a mess because everybody's so nervous and excited and nervous and frustrated. So it's, I mean, it could be four days later until you find out whether or not the, you're getting the offer accepted. Right. And, and, and it's in the contract. All right. So what's the next one? Next one is what is earnest money deposit? All right. So you answer this one. So the earnest money deposit is your deposit on the contract. It's your good faith money showing that you have skin in the game. So when you sign the contract, you're going to give a certified check made out to usually the title company or the listing agents. It goes into the escrow account and that money is deducted from the funds that you owe. Now, if you decide to cancel the contract, you know, three quarters of the way through, generally the seller will keep that money. But if you go through inspections and you find out that there's something wrong with the property and you're not able to negotiate it, then that money gets returned to you. But the earnest money deposit is your good faith deposit showing that you're gonna move forward with the deal. Yeah, and there's and the myth with that one is, like people say, don't you have to put 10% down? Like, I'm not. Like, it could be a dollar. Sure. Actually, by law, the contract enough is... Uh, binding. Binding. But yeah. usually people put down a few thousand, you know. And I had an agent the other day tell me, you know, my, my client put down a $6,000 earnest money deposit, and she was insisted on $10,000. It'll just be a stronger offer. You know, it, it just... And I'm just, I'm not going to argue with her because I want the deal, but it's not going to make sense whether it's 6000 or 10000 right? Because no. if they don't go through with it, that, that it money's matter. coming back. It doesn't matter. So and if she just thought it was it, stronger. Well, that's just, what's strong is your pre-approval with a buyer's financial showing their income and how much money they have in the bank. That's what matters. So if right. some guy's got 200000 in the bank and he only puts 1000 down, what are you worrying about? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, so. All right. Next question so, is, should I sell my current home before buying a new one? In this market? In this market, yes. Yes. You got, you got, to, you got to multitask. I think in almost any market, I think you should have your... If I'm going to list somebody's house and they want to buy a house, I think they should put their house on the market. And then we can negotiate a settlement. I've done settlements, like say we're in, we're in May, right? I've done settlements where the settlement date wasn't until September. But the, the, that worked out because they couldn't do that. They had to relocate or whatever, they, they, something, whatever. Right. Family issues. Yeah, we'll take your deal, but we can't settle till September. And that's what I want to do. And, and you know what happens? <laughs> you know what happens? Sometimes that gets you to deal because the seller that works for them too. And now all of a sudden you got just a unique buyer that doesn't need to move right away, and it actually works out. I've done a, I've done a bunch of them. Because but Mark, you know, if you don't ask, the answer is no. So, so I mean. Yes, but you should have your you should have your house on the market before and be totally pre-approved and be shopping. Right. And don't list if they say to you, "Oh, we don't want to list our house until we find one." That's a problem because you're out of the market. You, you're yeah, out of the market. You, your house is not listed. You cannot go in non-contingent today. You can't. Right. 
No. There's absolutely, it, it's not working. You could do a buyback, right? Yeah. You sell, you settle, and then you live in the house until you find suitable financing. That's what a lot of people are doing. Bridge loans. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. So what's the last one? Last question is, what is a buyer's market? <laughs> Something we haven't seen for Not about seen in a while, six right? years. <laughs> now, when I got my license back in 99, I was in a buyer's market. And I'll tell you what a buyer's market looks like. There's signs all over the place. And there's houses on locks boxes all over the place. It was so bad. And when I started in 99... Like, there, we all were, all the agents in the office, we knew which houses were dogs and which weren't. So, like, you know, if somebody, I don't know, um, this was really ethical, but, <laughs> like, if they want to see, like, four or five houses, you knew this one was a dog. Right. And they were all in lockboxes, so you show them the dog, and you and this is was a bad move. This was because nobody did good training back in the day. And you always thought you were leading them to the one that they would like. I learned after a couple of years in the business, I have no clue what these people like. Because <laughs> they, they, I would show them four or five houses, and they would pick the one with the dog that smelled like a dog. Right. And I go, this is it? The most houses <laughs> I ever showed was 22. To, two <gasps> to of Terry, one person? Two, no, two of oh. Terry's girlfriends. They were buying a house, right? It got to the point I didn't even know what we were looking for. And then one day we're in this house and we're in the basement and they both look at one another and start jumping up and down and said, this is it. And I went, oh God. this is it? I was so confused. I had no clue what they were looking for by the end. So we're not in a buyer's market, but in a buyer's market, there's more houses for sale than there are buyers. No, sellers. No, no. There's, All right. Yeah, I just confused myself. <laughs> there's tons of houses for sale and there's not enough buyers. Correct. Correct. All right. All right. <laughs> and coming up next is our topic of the day. All right. Housing boom is back without the bubble. Without the bubble. All right. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. We'll be right back. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio WPHT. All positive all the time. So where we at, Deanne? So, Mark, we are up to the topic of the day, which is housing boom is back, but without the bubble. Yeah, and I, I wanted to talk about this because the doom and gloomers are already out there, and there is not going to be a bubble. Trust me. We've been through bubbles. I know what bubbles look like. This is not a bubble. America's housing market is booming, booming, booming. Home prices nationwide are back to where they were a decade ago and higher just before the big financial crisis which i saw coming in 05 06 07 and finally hit bottom in 08 the right the rise in prices does not mean we're about to repeat devastating slumps because a lot of things have changed in 10 years since that market crashed and the world was rocked a new report from real.com highlights the stronger conditions of the market today 
although prices and buyer demand stirs memories of a decade ago, because there was a frenzy. It was like a frenzy market before it all hit, hit the bottom. The low inventory, the tighter mortgage underwriting, job, the wage growth, the economic fundamentals make this time very different. As we compare today's market with the dynamics of those a decade ago, it's important to remember the rising prices didn't cause the housing crash. That's not what did it. It was the rising prices stoked by subprime lending. People were buying houses with no money in the bank, no cash. I knew it was it come, it would come was to mess. an end sooner or later. Yeah. As well as people looking for short-term gains versus a truer market vitality that created the environment for the crash. And then you had the whole insurance thing on the other side where they're buying the never all the insurance and they're bundling and you got to watch the movie too big to fail it explains it pretty good prices are certainly up with the median sales price in 2016 was 236,000 now it's like uh three something and mortgage lending conditions have improved with even the bottom 10 percent of the borrowers in 217 had had a uh, a score of 649 to compare to now it's what what's the average fico score now average, average FICO, american probably a 640 six something like that but so the lending standards are critical to the health of the market unlike today the boom under the unregulated environment that we were in back in 04 05 06 07 that's what caused everything to pay price to push uh, prices up. People were taking all kinds of risk. The insurance companies weren't were bundling the loans, selling them on the stock market. All kinds of stuff went on. There was overbuilding, over flipping. I remember remember the high rises they built down at Penn's Landing in like oh six oh seven. I knew they were, and they ended up auctioning them off after the OA crash. I mean, people were still doing crazy things. And I'm like, this is something's going to happen here. We are in a very healthy economy that's creating more jobs. We're recovering from the virus. And we don't have all that other crazy stuff going on. And this, the, our market looks really good. So we expect a gradual tapering as buyers, some buyers are priced out of the market, but not a market correction. But an easing of demand, eventually we're going to get some more inventory. It's probably going to take about, I'm guessing, six to eight months before we start seeing get out of this 1.9 month supply of inventory in Philly metro market, where an average, uh, an average market is a six month supply. So it's it's going to take some time. I had an agent this week and. He was over-optimistic, thinking that all of a sudden, you know, come uh, September, there's going to be tons of listings. Right. I just don't, I don't think so. I think it's going to take another eight, nine months for some sellers to recognize opportunity. And then gradually, we'll get to a two-month supply, three-month supply, four-month supply. Till we get to a regular market, I think it's going to take a year or two, to a six-month supply. But... We, I take a four month supply. That would be great. Right. I that just would be happy to get my 127 
pre-approved buyers into a home. Couple every month, I'm good. I know. And what was that like about a year ago? You had 40 or 50. Now you got 100 and some approved. 127 people. Trying to buy a house totally pre-approved. Got their tax returns in. Everything ready to go. Can't find a house. And you know whose fault that is? The media and the real estate agents. And the real estate agents. If the real estate agents would call everybody they know and told them about what a great time it is to sell, there'd be a ton more inventory. I agree. And I didn't stutter on that one. I know. It gets me crazy when I start to think about it. So anyway, coming up next is our segment with Dr. Abelson. And we're going to still continue the topic of value, the value of understanding the disc. He did a good job last week. All right. Welcome, Dr. A. Hey, doctor. How are you? Things are going great, Mark. I hope things are going well with uh, with the two of you in, in Philly. So today you're going to tell us about the, continue with the understanding of the disc. So take it away. You tell us. Uh, as you'll remember, we have this series where we're talking about what is the value of disc. And what I want to do is I want to go into a couple other aspects, ways to use disc, because we've talked about this for a couple sessions previously. But one of the things to really keep in mind not just for our disc, but any disc, and, and really for any assessment that you're using, which is a behavioral assessment, remember that a disc is a behavioral assessment, and that's only one aspect of people's personalities. A lot of people tell you the disc is a personality profile. It's not. It just looks at behaviors. But what you want to do and what you can do is, is look at people's strengths. There's another organization that Gallup uh, uh, and and they have something called strength finders and what strength finders does is it looks at it, that an individual strengths you know and and weaknesses basically our disc looks at so much more than that but one of the things it also looks at is strengths so what are the person's strengths where are the person's limitations and and the assessment itself is just fantastic to tell you where that person is with that. Now, in the past, we also talked about using our assessment for time management, for different areas of, in, of improvement, uh, for uh, perception, okay, or how they see themselves and how other people, you know, see them, what value they bring to the organization, what their ideal environment is, you know, so it's important to realize those types of things. But one of the other things you can do with our disk, and this is another report, but it, it takes the data from the original disk, is to actually go down and look at the comparison between two people. So we can look at how the two people can communicate or not communicate. We can look at what value each of them brings to the organization, what their ideal environment is, so you can see where they connect and where there are disconnects. So there's all kinds of incredible things that you can do with this. You can use it as your, your business, you can use it as part of a volunteer organization. More and more churches are, are doing this type of activity. You can do it with your spouse, which is really awesome. And, and if you do it right, it can be a lot of fun. If you do it wrong, it cannot be so much fun. So when you do it, you need to just look at the positive aspects of your spouse. All right. You can, you can do it with all kinds of other people within, within your world and in, in your organization. There's another benefit that we have, too. And, and that is we can actually show you how to use this with a team and we can put an entire group of people together um, and you can look at this entire group. We could have any we can have as few as two people. We can put hundreds of people 
on the same report and it shows the individuals how they can work more effectively with each other right and which is really important anymore because more and more people are working uh, remotely uh, and they don't have a chance to interact with each other as much as they used to so having some mechanism and some type of really really accurate assessment that then has a report that puts people together on the same page so you can see what their strengths are, what their limitations are. You can see what everybody's ideal environment is, what everybody brings uh, to the group as far as what value they individually bring. And all of a sudden you have a fantastic, a fantastic tool to help you better understand people. So these are all things that, that we can do with just our DISC behaviors profile. And then of course we can also do similar things with what's driving that behavior. Uh, so, so that is very uh, helpful and important. And then I want to talk about one other thing just briefly. Um, emotional intelligence is a key part to any type of relationship. And more and more, uh, we have a need to look at that and more and more the science for that has been developed over the last 10 or 15 years. So we're getting that much more accurate and have that much more of a better idea regarding what's happening for individuals. But the notion is that people get hired for their tasks that they can perform and their past history regarding tasks. They get fired because of their lack of emotional intelligence or when there's this huge clash between two people. So, uh, so it's, it's very important to look at emotional intelligence. We have another assessment that looks at that, which is really fantastic and gives people a lot of insight as to what's going on within their organization, what's going on for the individuals in their organization, and what's going wrong as far as what is going right. So what we can do and how we help people is we look at behaviors, we look at this notion of what's driving the behaviors, we can help them look at emotional intelligence, as well as stressors, which we really haven't talked about, as well as also leadership characteristics. So there's all these different things that we do with our reports that really help individuals and organizations. That was a great segment as usual. Thank you, Dr. A. All right. Thanks, guys. I look forward to talking with you next week and we will we'll come up with a new topic next week. Thanks, and if Dr. you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at Comcast.net or give them a call at 267-266-5501. You can also email me at Deanne Katsaris at Comcast.net, or give me a call at 609-605-7153. And a special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in every Saturday at 1, our sponsors for keeping us on the air here at Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We hope you are become a faithful listener, and we'll, hear, we'll be here every week to keep you informed. So with that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210. All positive. All positive. All the time. the time. Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.